Hi, conservationists. We're the Wildlife Conservation Hub, and you're listening to Conservation Conversations. I'm Ankita from LA. Hi, I'm Danny from Georgia. I'm Sarah from Virginia. I'm Maria from Spain. Today, we have a special guest on our podcast, Grace Comerford from California. Grace is a teen climate activist who's a part of our Climate Hub and a winner of our Teen's Dream video contest from the Global Collab. And she is very passionate about saving the environment and wildlife conservation. Grace has written and self-published multiple books about saving endangered species and more. And we are so excited to hear from her today about her work in conservation and volunteering. Welcome, Grace. Hi, thank you for having me. So we were just wondering, what got you interested in the field of conservation in the first place? And is there like a specific moment or event that made you decide to get involved? Yeah, so growing up, I wasn't surrounded by much wildlife, but I did have a library in my area and I used to borrow tons of books and DVDs. And usually the DVDs were nature documentaries and I would watch them constantly. And I remember these creatures looked so amazing and they didn't even look real. So I just remember that being so exciting for me and me wanting to do everything I can to learn about them. So instead of playing in the park, I was in the library researching blue whales or writing facts in my notebook. And one time in particular that sparked my interest was when I went to the Aquarium of the Pacific in California. And I think seeing the staff there uh, interacting with the animals just really interested me. And I knew that was something that I wanted to do in the future. And I also used to visit Lincoln Park Zoo in my hometown of Chicago almost every weekend. That's a really cool experience and I think it's super cool that you got so interested in that since a lot of people can also do that in their local communities. Do you have any specific book or documentary recommendations? Just any like source of media that you'd recommend to others that might be interested? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so um, for books, I just went to my library and found the coolest book available. A lot of the magazines had like cool facts about animals, so I used to read those all the time. And then as far as documentaries, I have a lot, but I loved Chasing Coral. I think it gave a really cool insight on global warming and also the process that the scientists use to be able to film the process of coral bleaching. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, Another one is Our Planet, David Attenborough. Basically anything by David Attenborough is amazing. Uh, So yeah, those I definitely recommend. That's so cool. I've seen some of those and they were like really, really engaging. And that, that's just really awesome. Um, I mean, I guess just one more thing. Whenever you were at the Aquarium of the Pacific, what were some of your favorite animals? Ooh, it was a while ago, so I'm trying to remember, but I think it was the penguins that really stuck with me because my mom and I both love penguins. And I think I saw a young, like a teen working alongside the people who work at the zoo. And I just thought, wow, I want to be her, you know, so. Okay, awesome. Our next question is, what type of work did you do at the Sun Coast Primate Sanctuary in Florida and how did your volunteer experience affect you there? Yeah, so the Sun Coast Primate Sanctuary rescued animals from the pet trade. And while I lived in Florida, I volunteered almost every week. And this sanctuary, is called the primate sanctuary but it also has monkeys lemurs apes and we also had alligators snakes exotic birds and then also farm animals i think it was just mainly anything from the pet trade anything that needed to be rescued um that was 
like one of the only wildlife sanctuaries in my area. So we just kind of took everything that needed to be taken in. We were able to house primates as well. So that was really, really cool. I started working there or volunteering there where uh, when I was in middle school. So that was a really cool opportunity for me to have Something that makes sanctuaries different from zoos is that sanctuaries aren't always open to the public, but this one was for about three days a week. And when that happened, I would be able to help answer questions about the animals and give tours of the sanctuary. And I think that helped motivate me to learn about these animals and get even more fun facts in my brain so that I could tell people, other people, about these animals and also include where they're coming from because like I said again these animals came from the pet trade but they were also rescued um, or taken in as retired lab apes where they were in a lab before they were being tested on and now they came to the sanctuary just to live out their uh, last days in a safe fun place. We had ambassador animals that were allowed to interact with the guests no monkeys in this case it was just the tortoise and the snake but it was really cool to carry around the snake around the sanctuary and scare some people but <laughs> yeah uh, that was a lot of fun and um, I think it really prepared me for the future because another thing I was able to do was prepare meals for the monkeys and I think I think that was just really cool to be able to learn about their diet in a hands-on way like that they even let me feed them actually but it was through feeding chambers so that I didn't get too close to the animals so yeah volunteering at that sanctuary really exposed me to a lot of new animals that I wouldn't have seen in real life before so it was an amazing experience that sounds really cool. So did you notice anything like about the animals from the illegal wildlife trade? Because I know um, when I was volunteering in South Africa, like they had like really big symptoms of stress and trauma. So I was just wondering, did the ones that were in the um, sanctuary in Florida, did they also exhibit similar things? Yeah, I definitely did. I'm glad you asked that question because I did want to mention it. I know your question was specifically about the illegal pet trade, but something that came to mind immediately was the retired lab apes. They had like severe obesity and they also had tumors. It was really bad because they all had horrible medical conditions that were probably caused by the testing they did in the labs. They were less active than they should have been. It was very sad to see. And then the animals from the pet trade, you can just see that some of them were a bit more used to humans because they grew up in a human home um, because our sanctuary didn't really work with police on catching them right at the source of the illegal pet trade centers, but we did get them as surrenders from their previous owners and the people who bought them in the illegal pet trade. So. Some of them were really used to humans, but have had a violent past. I know one example was a spider monkey that we had, and um, he was really friendly, but also aggressive. And I know his previous owner uh, got a girlfriend one day, and he really didn't like that. So he punched her in the nose, and I think gave her a broken nose or something. The monkey did not the boyfriend but <laughs> yeah and i'm so glad you brought that up like you know animal testing and research like being debated a lot these days so i'm really glad you were able to see the actual effects of that what would you do when you were there um individual research for the tours or use tools given from other members of the staff 
I think I did a little bit of both. They didn't really have a packet of information on all the animals just because our animals came in and out. Like most of the retired lab apes, you know, were at the end of their life. So they didn't have a packet that could stay current for very long. Um, so all the things I learned from staff was stories from staff and shadowing staff uh, on tours as they would talk to guests about all this information about all the animals behind them. I would just listen in and uh, figure out which stories I could keep in my head and retell later. And then some of the individual research I did was just kind of uh, background information on the species, not the actual individual in general. If I was standing in front of our orangutan, which we did have one orangutan, which was really, really cool, uh, I would be able to tell a bunch of facts about the orangutan or tell a bunch of facts about the alligator or the snake. That's really awesome. And just out of curiosity, when you were able to meal prep for the monkeys, what do they eat? Yeah, so the monkeys had a variety because they're not all the same species. So we have to individualize that for them. And they also don't have the same medical problems. So we have to make sure each specific diet meets the needs of every animal. We got a lot of donations since we were a sanctuary and sanctuaries don't often have like funding from the government. We often just take donations. And so that really helped with like the community chipping in, like whatever watermelon they didn't want to eat anymore, they could give it to us, unless it was uh, bad quality because then we just threw it out. But um, we had watermelon a lot as a snack. We had strawberries as a snack. Bigger monkeys from lab testing had diabetes, so we couldn't give them anything too sugary. So another thing with the monkeys, we used to give them like little sandwiches of um, just like monkey pellets. We had like pellets of just nutritious monkey diet food um, and then other stuff like uh, lettuce for the tortoises. That's really cool. What got you interested in writing your books? Yeah, so when I was younger, I loved writing and I used to write all the time, all these facts in my notebook about random animals. I think I originally wanted to write a guidebook of like all the animals that I was researching, but who would want a guidebook from a kid, you know? I was like eight. So instead, my first book was a fiction book about like a ninja girl who defeated villains with problem solving and kindness. So <laughs> my dad eventually helped me publish it and it actually did pretty well for a book that was written by a nine-year-old and published when I was 10. But I think I always wanted to write more, and so that's what I did. I think it's just absolutely amazing that you wrote a book as a nine-year-old. Nine-year-old me would not have done that at all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Follow-up, when did you finally decide to write books about nature? Even at that age, I knew that I wanted to be something uh, with animals or nature. I always wanted to write about nature, but I think the first chance I was able to was when I was 15 and I wrote my second book, A Talent for Kindness, which wasn't specifically about nature, but I did have, I did include nature themes in it because that was just something I was really passionate about. And I think um, now I'm starting to write more and more about animals in nature because I just feel more confident in what I know and also what I can find on the internet because the internet has evolved since I was nine years old and I've learned how to use it better since I was nine years old. 
what's your process for writing books? Um, how do you get your creative juices flowing? How does all that stuff work? I just told you like how my first book was created, but now I have two more books out. The a Talent for Kindness, which is a book about how you use the talent to be kind. And then like the third book is Don't Let Us Disappear, which is a book about endangered species and what kids can do to help them. And my writing process for books is usually I'll have a one really creative day where I, ideas are just overflowing in my head and I'll just write them all down in my uh software for creating books and um, from there I have to get rid of a lot because when ideas are flowing they're just flowing a lot and there are some ideas that are just really not <laughs> worth uh, exploring more but um, the ones that are I just continue writing them and um, once I'm finished I'll usually like talk to other people about it, see what I can do better, um, and edit it, make sure that I actually want this to be published. And yeah, um, I have like a bunch of drafts right now, and I think I'm only considering maybe two of them. So um, before you publish your books, do you let other people proofread them before releasing them? Um, and if so, who are those people that do that for you? Yeah, so I think my parents are a big part of the proofreading process. They definitely helped me out a lot um, last time with my last book. Yeah, my mom and my dad, they do a lot for that. Sometimes I include my teachers in the process if they want to help, and maybe I could just show them, you know, what I've been working on. And I think those are the main ones right now. Just one last question about that topic, I guess, is did you ever feel limited because you were a kid writing books? And did you ever feel like maybe you didn't have as much of a voice as other people because of your age? And if so, how did you overcome that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, my first book was published when I was 10. And, you know, to a certain point, that gives you a lot of publicity, I guess, because, oh, it's been written by a 10 year old, you know, it's on the cover, she's 10. I think a lot of people were interested in that, but on the flip side, a lot of people didn't really feel like reading it because I was 10. Like, oh, it's a cool idea because she's 10, but maybe not reading it. So it was hard to get people to take the extra step and actually download the book and read it. But I think I overcame that by proving how I could speak and how I could express myself through writing. And I think I did that through reaching out to family members at the time and, you know, it's spreading uh, from there. And then uh, for these last few books, I was 15. I think I just used social media a lot too to try and overcome that uh, feeling of imposter syndrome too. Um, just because, you know, I did, I did the work and it, now I have a product, so I have to be proud of it. I have to put it out there, and social media is a great place to do that. That's really inspiring. Did your volunteering experience help you to write your books at all? My experiences helped me to communicate about the animals or kindness to kids, because um, in the Suncoast Primate Sanctuary, I used to talk to a lot of groups of kids and groups of adults, but a lot of kids too, because I was just a kid too, and I think I was better able to communicate with them and learn how to communicate better with kids. And um, my background knowledge on all the animals just helped with um, time management, so I didn't have to research as much as I would have if I had no prior knowledge of these animals. And um, 
I think, especially with the new books that I'm editing right now, um, it was really helpful to know some of the information I learned while volunteering. It's really cool that you can apply all the knowledge you learned to something um, that you create, like your books. That's, that's really interesting. So which issue within conservation do you think is most relevant currently, like in today's society? I would say since COVID-19 has changed the whole world recently, I would say that right now we have been seeing relative species recovery since people have been in lockdown for a while. No one's like, not a lot of people were going out in cars. There were less cars on the road, um, therefore less animals being run over, therefore uh, recovery in the food chain and thriving overall. Um, especially since I think COVID-19 was uh, mainly in human. Within the last year, we've been seeing relative species recovery, but these effects are really only temporary because now we have a problem on our hands and people are coming out of lockdown, which is a good thing for us. But we have to be more concerned about wildlife conservation and lessening our carbon footprint so that the IPCC, you know, the report that came out recently, I really hope that prediction doesn't come true. And as teens, I've realized one thing that we can do is raise awareness and call for other people who care to use this epidemic to introduce um, more healthy ways to live as a society and prioritize your health, value our resources, and take big steps to a cleaner and more sustainable way of living. And there's this one quote from Jane Goodall that I, oh, I really love. Only if we can understand can we care. Only if we care can we help. Only if we help, we shall be saved. So I think that really encompasses what I'm thinking for uh, what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said about COVID-19, the uh, zoonotic diseases are recently becoming a lot more relevant and harmful. Um, so from your experience volunteering or your research, but what do you think we can do to prevent more pandemics from happening from zoonotic diseases? The COVID-19 pandemic started from, I think, a bat. Um, I know the shark trade, um, shark fin trade is really big right now and has been for a really long time. Um, but after doing my research in that, I think really damaging for your health as well because shark fins have a percentage of mercury in them and that definitely isn't good for you to consume. So I think illegal hunting, illegal poaching, I, those things can just help prevent eating something that might be harmful to us and to other people from animals and um, someone else would be uh, more qualified to answer more specifically. Yeah, um, I think COVID has been both good and bad for conservation because, you know, there's been less killing of animals, but then also I think there were eight big cats at the Bronx Zoo that got it. And then recently at the zoo in Georgia, I think four of the gorillas got it. So now we can pass it to animals, who knew? Um, Oh, I didn't but, know that. That's really interesting. I yeah. Yeah, you can watch it on Animal Planet. Um, the big cat's getting COVID. Um, what would you like to tell other teens who are interested in conservation but don't know how to start? Do your research on what animals are in your area, maybe where they're located, and maybe go out on a hike and look for some. Um, and something that I really like to do is take out a camera and practice photography while you're at it. So if you see an animal, maybe try and photograph it. Um, it may come out horribly, but in the end, you can just delete it. Or you could have an amazing photo of a 
coyote in your area. Um, and that would be awesome. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite things to do. And also uh, you can start volunteering at an animal shelter or if you have one, there's a like wildlife sanctuary near you. Maybe you could volunteer there. Um, other than that, um, I know you can also start to prioritize being eco-friendly or promoting a sustainable lifestyle. Um, wildlife conservation and climate activism are very connected and they rely on each other. So some things that I've started doing um, is an indoor garden. We have like a few seeds to start off with and maybe in the future we'll get better at it. Maybe start growing vegetables, growing our own food. That would be great. And um, another thing is using a capsule wardrobe, which is basically like where you have less clothes, but you have clothes that you can wear interchangeably. And um, it's just, supposed to lessen your impact because you're not shopping constantly for every uh, every new trend that comes around in the fashion industry which is basically every day just shopping consciously for your food and clothes make sure your clothes are in are leaving a good impact on the world and if they're vegan that's really great that's awesome do you have any recommendations for books social media accounts websites documentaries or shows that would get teens into conservation I think for books, oh, I have this one book that's actually right beside me um, that I found really, really inspiring. It's called Eco Winners by, okay, it's called Uncovering the Traits of Successful Environmental Leaders, Eco Winners by Katya Nichenko. It's a really good book about how teens can get involved with climate activism and also um, you can also apply it to any other way you want to get involved um, with activism. You can probably find it in here and uh, use some of the techniques that she mentions to help um, further your activism. And then uh, documentaries, I kind of mentioned a few earlier, but a few I would recommend for teens is Jane Goodall's documentary about her life is just really inspiring. I loved that movie or that documentary so much. It motivated me to get off the couch and just, you know, research anything, do anything with wildlife conservation. I really loved that documentary. And also David Attenborough just came out with a new documentary about his journey. So that's a, a definitely a cool one too. I read his book um, that kind of came along with it and it was really really good but i still have to watch the documentary so i'm excited for that um and then social media accounts i know i have a lot of social media accounts on instagram that i would love to talk about but a few that come to mind is uh the intersectionality movement with bipoc youth and also adults who are in climate activism, wildlife conservation, stuff like that. Brown Girl Gone Green, Queer Brown Vegan. Oh, Green Girl Leia. I know a lot of people follow her and it's just like one of the most inspiring accounts I follow. So definitely check out that one. Awesome. We will include those in the description or in a post. Um, so I've heard the term regenerative lifestyle instead of sustainable because sustainable um, refers to keeping something the same. What are your thoughts on that? I have yet to do a ton of research on that um, distinction, but I think um, the goal is ultimately make sure your lifestyle doesn't pollute more and make sure that your carbon footprint is low 
and as low as you can get it. What things are you growing in your garden? Oh yeah, um, so right now I just have a few seeds and I think um, they may be wildflowers for now. So just native wildflowers that um, we've gotten seeds for. Those are the only ones right now, but I'm hoping to like make it bigger and hopefully get some vegetables or something. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so Grace, do you have any future plans with any books or other projects? Um, I know you were thinking about writing one with the Global Collab um, and having all of the hubs contribute. So do you want to expand on that? Yeah, so um, as a part of the Teen Stream video competition, my dream was to create a children's book about global warming. And I'm in the process of editing that now and as we are recording this, but it actually might be out and published by the time that this comes out. So um, if you want to check it out, my website is daretodreamgreen.com and I'll, I have everything on there from my books, blogs, podcasts. Um, yeah, so check it out if you can. And um, other than that, like you said, I am helping out the hubs create a book about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And I'm really excited about that. I think we're making a book for teens right now, but we also are planning in the future to maybe write a book for kids as well. So that's really, really exciting. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And you know, by the time this podcast is out, if um, your book on global warming is also out, um, everyone else should check that out. Um, so do you think you'll continue to write books after these ones that are going to be released? Yeah, for sure. Actually, I have two more that are planned um, that are kind of in a different genre, but uh, well, definitely still in the world of uh, wildlife conservation, nature. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely going to write more books. I think it's just part of my um, way of making an impact on the world. I just definitely don't want to give up that um, amazing way of putting my voice out there. So yeah, I definitely think I will write more books after this. Really awesome and super inspiring for all of us. So we just want to thank you so much, Grace, for um, you know talking to us on our podcast. And um, I hope everyone who's listening um, can download Grace's global warming book and um yeah thank you so much grace yeah thank you so much for having me